You are listening to Present Truth Ministries Radio, telling the world that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Hello, everyone. Jason DeMars here, and this is going to be our uh, episode of PTM Contender. Thank you for tuning in, those who are listening to the audio and those who are watching the video, whether you're on Facebook or YouTube, welcome. So we're starting something kind of new, and we're doing this as a live video. We just welcome you and ask the Lord richly bless you. Uh, I'm going to speak today on the subject, what is the message? So this is going to be a multi-part series and we are going to be going into the scriptures that have been fulfilled by the message. You know, we very frequently want to summarize the message in a short sentence, and that's okay. We can do that. Uh, you know, and depends on what angle you're looking at it from uh, is how you'll answer that question. But really, when we want to do this, we want to examine the scriptures. We don't want to be satisfied with just a uh, short, uh, quick answer but we want to look at it in the depths of the scriptures. So why don't we take a moment to pray, and then we'll begin with our subject. Father, we come to you now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we are so grateful for your goodness and mercy to us. We ask, Lord God, that the anointing of the Holy Spirit would come upon me now, Lord, to teach this subject. May it be a blessing. May it be something that enriches the faith of believers, Father. Commit it to your hands for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So like I said, this is going to be a multi-part series, and our purpose is going to be to look at the scriptures that are fulfilled by the end time message. So with that said, let's start with a scripture reading, and it's Matthew 25, 1 through 6. And so we'll go through it step by step, and you'll get the vision of it. So, Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. So that's verse 1. So the ten virgins, they were virgins. Um, they had lamps, and they went out to meet the bridegroom. Of course, the picture is an oriental uh, eastern wedding and we have the bridegroom coming to meet the bride and so these 10 uh, virgins who are the basically the bridesmaids uh, go out to meet the bridegroom so there's this party this procession that is taking place and they're going out and they're meeting the bridegroom Verse 2, five of them were wise and five were foolish. They that were wise took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. So here I want to show you the picture. So the, the foolish, they were virgins, they were clean, they were sanctified. But the problem is they didn't take oil with them in their vessels. So, uh, 
to, to, to show the pictures, there's a lamp that they have, which contains oil, uh, which has a wick, which is burning. Okay? And then there is a vessel separate from that, that you carry your extra oil in order to refill your lamp. So it says the foolish took no oil with them, but the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. So a vessel and a lamp. Okay? The wise were wise because they took a vessel, they took a refill of oil to be able to put in their lamp. No doubt the foolish had some level of oil. Uh, when they're going out in the dark, first you'll be in your house, um, you're putting together your vessel, and you light your lamp, and you go out now to meet the bridegroom in the evening time. All right. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight, there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go you out to meet them. The next verse tells us that they all arose and went out to meet him. So I want I want you to notice they all heard the midnight cry. They all responded to the midnight cry. Okay? But some of them could not go in to the wedding. Uh, they had to go out and find the uh, people that were selling the oil. So they weren't prepared. They weren't ready they, 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 they couldn't go in to the marriage. It's a picture of the rapture. So there's some five foolish virgins which cannot go into the rapture, and there's five wise virgins who were prepared and ready to go into the rapture. Now, I don't want to go in and break down every detail of this parable. It's to simply get a big picture is that there's ten foolish virgins. This is the time, uh, the kingdom of heaven, at a certain period of time. So it's in preparation for meeting the bridegroom. And so the bridegroom comes and the people can go go into the wedding, but the others cannot. So it's, it's a picture. There's someone that's making a cry at midnight, and that's the friend of the bridegroom. And so there's there's to be a man of God at the end time, which will have a midnight cry message. He'll let out a shout, so to speak, and, and he will prepare the people and alert them that it's time to go and meet the bridegroom. So there's two parts of this. There's behold the bridegroom cometh. Now it says cometh in the King James, but if you look at the, the original, it says behold the bridegroom. So the bridegroom, he's saying the bridegroom is here. He's amongst us. He's ready to be joined to his bride. Um, go ye out to meet him. So you have to go out to meet the bridegroom. So it's announcing the appearing of the bridegroom. And go out and meet him. So go out of what? Revelation 17, 1 through 6. And there came one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials, and talked with me, saying, Come hither, and I will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast, full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads 
and ten horns, and the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color, and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand, full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. And upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs. And I, when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. So we see here the... Uh, great whore. Now, all, always through the Bible, um, God speaks about his people as his wife. So here we have, in the Old Testament, uh, we have Israel committing adultery, fornication against Jehovah God. So uh, God proceeds and says, you're an unclean woman, you're a prostitute. So now in the New Testament, Christ is married to the bride, and, and Paul says, I, I fear uh, lest you receive another Jesus and you become defiled. And so, uh, because I've espoused you as a chaste virgin unto Christ. And so, the church accepting a false doctrine becomes defiled and so becomes a whore. And that's what happened. The early church fell away from the original faith and accepted false doctrine and becomes than a whore. So this is the denominational systems that we have today. Um, the absolute filthiness of them. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1, 12 and 13, How, Now this I say, that every one of you saith, I am of Paul, and I have Apollos, and I have Cephas, and I have Christ. Is Christ divided? Was cr Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul. So here are divisions coming up based upon a man of God, and, and Paul condemns it. There's no sign of a denomination being a scriptural thing in the Bible. Okay? So in Revelation um, 18, verse 4, it says, And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that ye be not partaker of her sins, and that you receive not of her plagues. Okay? So come out. Behold the bridegroom. Go out to meet him. So what's the message in the end time? It's to come out. Come out. Amen. Come out of the system. Come out of the false doctrine. Come out of the false teaching that's taking place all throughout the world. So he appears, the bridegroom appears, and there's a message saying, Behold the bridegroom, go out to meet him, come out of the systems, go, go and meet him. Amen. Let's continue on. So a message announcing his appearing, calling a people out of Babylon. Who brings a message? Of course, a messenger brings a message. So there's got to be a messenger that carries that message. Now there's a scripture that is uh, comparing to that. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. So here we see the Lord descends. He's appearing. There's a shout. The shout is like an order, like a military command. Someone has to give the shout. There's a midnight cry and there's a shout. 
They equate together. There's a voice of the archangel, a chief and mighty angel, brings forth a vo- lets forth a cry. And there's also the trump of God. It's a calling together to a feast. Amen. And then there's the trump of God, which is the calling together a feast, as I said. So you have those three things happening, and we have a shout. There's a midnight cry, the Lord descending, the bridegroom coming to appear amongst us. These things are equating together in that now. Luke 17, 30. In the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Okay, so what does Son of Man mean? Uh, it's a title of Jesus, of course, but we look in the Old Testament and, and we want to see what this word means, what it signifies, how we're looking at the Lord Jesus in this particular position and place. So, Ezekiel 8, 5, Then said he unto me, Son of man, lift up thine eyes now, the way toward the north. So I lifted up mine eyes, the way toward the north, and behold, northward the gate of the altar, this image of jealousy in the entry. Over and over again, Ezekiel is referred to by God as Son of man. Son of man, son of man. What is Ezekiel? Son of man. So, what are the works that distinguish Jesus as the Son of Man, as a prophet? So, he, here he says uh, in John 1, 41 through 49, he meets Peter. Uh, and Peter comes before him, and Jesus says, before he ever knows his name, You are Simon, the son of Jonah, and you shall be called Cephas, which is by a interpretation a stone. So he knows the name of Peter before if he's ever introduced, and he knows Peter's father's name. So they go in and find Philip, and Jesus says, follow me. Now Philip was Beth- of Bethsaida, city of Andrew and Peter. So Philip finds Nathanael and says unto him, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Joseph. And Nathanael said unto him, Can there... Any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip saith unto him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him, and saith of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no guile. Nathanael saith unto him, Whence knowest thou me? Jesus answered and said unto him, Before that Philip called thee, when thou wast under the tree, I saw thee. Nathanael answered and saith unto him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, you are the King of Israel. So Jesus discerns, who this man is, where he was, where they called him from, and that he, what kind of man he was. So right away, Nathaniel answers, you're the, you're the Messiah. So we see here the messianic sign, all right? Again, we look forward and we see the woman at the well. He tells her about her life, uh, says, you have five husbands and the one you're with now is not your husband. She says, Rabbi, <laughs> she says, you're the Messiah. She recognizes who he is. When the Messiah comes, you're going to do, he'll do these things. 
He says, I am that speak to you, am he. So she recognizes by this discerning of the thoughts and intents of the heart, this is the Messiah. And Jesus referred to himself as son of man. So Jesus says, in the last days, I'm going to be revealed as the son of man again. Amen. So Luke 17, 26 through 27. Now, when we look at the coming of the Lord or the revealing of the Son of Man, we think of an immediate instant event. All right. So, but what does Scripture say? Does it show this as a truth or does it show something else? We want to look at the Scriptures. You know, every theologian brings it to us. Oh, it's a immediate, sudden event, you know, like lightning. And the Bible says it's like lightning, just immediate. So I want to look at the scriptures. Does it say that? So Luke 17, 26 and 27. And as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. So here we have the days of Noah will be like the days of the Son of Man. So how long were the days of Noah? 120 years, right? So... I'm not saying that the days of the Son of Man will be the exact amount of time because Jesus is referring to uh, the events and the conditions that happened in the days of Noah will be like the events and conditions in the days of the Son of Man. But nonetheless, it is, he doesn't say that the, the moment of the Son of Man, the instant of the Son of Man, he says the days of the Son of Man. In other words, a period of time. The days of Noah was a period of time. The days of the Son of Man is also a period of time. Verse 27, they did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. So, the Son of Man will be revealed in a time, in a period prior to and running up to the judgment. So what happened in the days of Noah? So first of all, there was a man anointed and sent by God with a message to prepare an ark to tell the people to get into it as a place of safety. So here, that's the first thing. Secondly is the conditions of the world. The Bible says the imaginations and the thoughts of their heart were only evil Continually, it grieves me that I made man on the earth. So the conditions will come to a place where God is grieved by the wickedness and evil that he even made man on the earth. We're living in that day. So what does it have to be? There has to be a prophet on the earth with a message telling the people to get into the place of safety, which is, we understand, is Christ the word. Not a literal ark, but get into Christ the manifested word of the hour, okay? So there has to be a message. There has to be the conditions. We see the conditions on the earth today. Any Christian can discern that. But can they discern There's a prof- there was a prophet that brought a message saying there's judgment coming. Get into Christ. Flee away from these systems. All right, Luke 17, 28 through 30. Likewise also, as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is 
revealed. Again, the days of Lot, a period of time. Now we want to look at the conditions. What happened in the days of Lot? Okay, so Jesus tells us they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. They were, we can continue on that. They were, uh, there was militant homosexuals that wanted to violate the two angels that visited Lot. But also in the days of Lot, Abraham was around. Out of Sodom, the Lord God himself came down in the form of human flesh and met with Abraham and told him, you'll receive a son according to the time of life. Sarah laughed within her heart. And the Lord God discerned what was in her heart and told it to Abraham. So we have to see this same Condition happened again. There's going to be messengers to Sodom to try to call the people out of Sodom, the true righteous people, and they'll drag them out of Sodom, the judgment. But there'll, there'll be one that's completely out of Sodom, separated from Sodom, that is hearing the message of God manifested in the flesh. So what is the Son of Man being revealed again? It's God manifested in the flesh, seeing his presence, manifesting his presence, and discerning the thoughts and intents of the heart. So what did we see in the ministry of William Branham? Uh, we saw a man standing on a platform, telling people their name, where they came from, what their illness was, pronouncing them well. This happened thousands and thousands of times. And those who were close witnesses of his ministry from the Pentecostal churches said that it, it was without failure, that it was absolutely, actually they called it an infallible gift, that he never made an error. Every time that they watched and witnessed it, he never made an error to the, de to the point where he told them details of what they were actually praying about. Just absolutely stunning, stunning, incredible uh, discernment that took place in the prophet of God. Just absolutely incredible. So, you look at this whole uh, uh, picture, you have, behold the bridegroom. You have the message preparing the people to meet the bride, to, to see the bridegroom. You have, a, you, have, you have the bridegroom being revealed again in human Flesh, Not the man. The man was a sinner saved by grace. But God being revealed through the man, uh, that infallible gift of discernment. All right? Then we have, and come forward, we see Malachi 4, 5, and 6. So what is the message? Again, don't lose track. We're talking about what is the message. We want to bring it all together. Behold, I send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Now, don't get it wrong. Uh, uh, we're going to go into great detail on each of these. Each of these ones will be basically be a subject to himself, to itself. But now I'm going just in an overview. Okay, Malachi four, five, and six. I want you to see the whole picture in a unified way. It's beautiful, beautiful. Behold, I send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children and heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with the curse. So we have, uh, behold, 
I send you Elijah. So what does Elijah mean? The name Elijah means is God is Jehovah. And we look at the ministry of Elijah in uh, in First Kings, I believe it is, uh, 17. And we see a man that God used to prove that he was Jehovah God. God vindicated himself through the ministry of Elijah. And he showed and put on demonstration, uh, who is God, Baal or Jehovah? So God used Elijah to show he is the true and living God and to, to vindicate himself through that ministry. Next he says, before, I'll send him to you before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And we'll prove this out by the scriptures, but the great and dreadful day of the Lord is yet future to us. It's the time when God pours out his wrath on the earth, destroys it with fire, and then the righteous walk out upon the ashes of the wicked. And verse 6 says, he'll turn the heart of the fathers to the children. Now I want to look at this. John the Baptist fulfilled a first part of this. And he, Luke one seventeen, And he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. The Bible is so specific. This angel uh, was sent to meet with uh, Zechariah and he was telling who, who his son would be and what his name would be. And he says, he'll turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. Notice in Malachi 4, verse 6, it has two parts. Hearts of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to their fathers. It doesn't say that John the Baptist will turn the heart of the children to their fathers. Just that he'll turn the heart of the fathers to the children. So, John the Baptist fulfilled one part of that. Now, I want you to notice this. I I want to show you this, is that... The great and dreadful day of the Lord didn't happen in the days of the right after the days of John the Baptist. It didn't come. It was only a partial fulfillment of what John the Baptist would do, because there's two comings of Christ. There's the first coming and the second coming. So John the Baptist forerun the first coming. There'll be another man that will forerun the second coming. All right, so this has to be during the grace age. So 4 verse 6 says, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. So lest means he's going to work to prevent the earth from being smitten with a curse. Okay, so uh, God is sending Elijah uh, to bring grace. He's coming during the grace age. And he's not smiting with the earth with the curse. He's actually bringing a message saying, repent. God is ready to be merciful. Uh, turn, turn back to the original faith. God will have mercy to you. So it is not the Elijah to the Jews. The Elijah to the Jews in Revelation 11 is smiting the earth with a curse. Revelation 11, 5 and 6. If any man will hurt them, fire proceedeth out of their mouth and devoureth their enemies. And if any man will hurt them, he must in this manner be killed. These have power to shut heaven, that it rain not in the days of their prophecy, and have power over the waters to turn them to blood and to smite 
the earth with all plagues as often as they will. So Malachi 4 verse 6 says Elijah is coming to prevent the earth from being smitten with the curse. The Elijah in Revelation 11.6 is smiting the earth with a curse. Okay, so you see the difference? One is coming under the grace age. One is coming under the tribulation period. So one Elijah is coming before the great and dreadful day of the Lord to to prevent the earth, to bring mercy before judgment. The other one is bringing the judgment of God. So there's an Elijah, a man that comes in the spirit of Elijah during the grace age. All right? So when Brother Branham was baptizing at the Ohio River in 1933, a supernatural light came down, and the people heard that light speak forth as John the Baptist was sent to forerun the first coming of Christ, your message will forerun his second. William Branham was sent with a message to forerun the second coming of Christ. So we have five comings of Elijah. Five represents grace. Elijah the Tishbite, Elisha, John the Baptist, the Grace Age Elijah, William Marion Branham, and... The Elijah to the Gentile to, to the Jews, one of the two witnesses. So there we have the five comings of Elijah. So Elijah has to come under there has to be an Elijah in Malachi four verse six under the grace age. So connect this together. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the Son of Man. There has to be a prophet with a message. So let's look at what John the Baptist did. John the Baptist turned the hearts of the fathers to the children. So he turned them from the ancestors' religion, the fathers' religion of the Old Testament, of the Old Covenant, to introduce Christ to them, which brought the New Covenant. So he was making them ready to receive something new. Now, Jesus said, Elijah must come and restore all things. John the Baptist didn't restore anything. So from Jesus' time, there has to be a future Elijah, which brings a restoration ministry, which Brother Branham did that, to turn the hearts of the children of God back to the apostolic father's faith. There needs to be a restoration back to the original faith. It started in the Reformation. It wasn't the original faith, but slowly God built through different reformers, um, Luther, uh, Zwingli, uh, Calvin, Tyndale, uh, Knox, and, and other men of God that he used during that time period, and then the generations after, uh, uh, Wesley, uh, Whitfield, um, the Azusa Street movement, uh, even uh, e- even the movement of of um, the men of God that furthered along the sanctification message. Men like Andrew Murray and so forth like that, that brought a message from God, compartmentalized. And then even after the Pentecostal movement came, you saw believers beginning to teach that water baptism would come in the name of Jesus Christ. And that there's not three gods, but there's one God manifested in three ways. And so... You you have God slowly restoring that message, but then he promised to send Elijah, and he gathered all these things together, Brother Branham did, 
and presented it to the people. This was a restoration back to the original faith. And so, uh, uh, tying this together, I'm not going to even finish my first portion now. I'm just doing, this is part one of what is the message. We're going to tie it all together in, in, in other portions of this. So, when we look uh, at this whole picture and we see there needs to be a prophet messenger to come at the end time to to bear record that Christ is appearing, that, that God does these mighty works through him in the form of the Son of Man, in spirit form, manifesting himself through this prophet, showing that Christ is present, calling the people out of denominations, restoring them back to the original faith. So this was what God has done in this day. And so I want to uh, just close with that. So thank you for listening in on PTM Contender. We greatly appreciate that. I will close with a word of prayer, and we'll be back next week with part two of What is the Message of the Hour? Father, we come to you, Lord. We thank you for the folks that have listened in. We ask the blessings uh, uh, of the power of the Holy Spirit upon their life, Lord. If there's those sick that are listening, Lord, would you heal them in a supernatural way? Father, if there's those that have questions or don't understand, Father, would you answer their questions? Would you reveal yourself to them? We know that I can speak and and explain it as well as I can, Lord, but it takes the Holy Spirit to bring the quickening power to the lives of believers, Lord. So we commit them to you through the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. May God bless you.